All right, everybody, welcome to New Life Church. Hope you guys are excited to be at New Life today. Are we excited to be here today? Are we happy to be here today? Come on, come on. Hey, look, uh, my name is Jeff. For those of you that might be new with us, uh, I get the chance of being one of the pastors on staff. Uh, I love this church. We're one church, multiple locations. So I'm saying a big hello to everybody here worshiping with us at our Carney campus. But I'm also saying a big hello to everybody worshiping with us at North Platte, Ogallala, and our online campus. So thank you guys so much. We're excited about that. Last week at New Life, we had some huge wins Huge wins. At our Ogallala campus, guys, we were two people shy of even hitting like 100 people there at, a, at really kind of like a brand new campus. It hasn't been around very long. And so Pastor Wes and Kim out in Ogallala, you guys are rocking it. You're helping people, you know, find Jesus and lives are being changed. Way to go, guys. Way to go. And I uh, just want to say one thing to one of the families uh, out in Ogallala, the Anderson family, and you know who I'm talking about. Uh, West has a little beef with you only because uh, someone was sick in your family and two people couldn't come, and that's why he didn't hit 100. So um, uh, you guys can work that out out there, though, okay? So just work that out together. Uh, no, hey, we're in the series Never Alone. This is the last week. If you've missed any of the weeks, please go to mynewlifechurch.com and then uh, there at our On Demand, you can watch any of the sermons from this past series, okay? Because I, I really believe that this is that kind of timeless series that really, it, it's the kind of thing you can go back and you can listen to over and over again. The first week, we talked about how we were never alone when our back is up against the wall. Very encouraging message. Second week, uh, we're never alone in suffering and persecution. Another very encouraging message. Third week, we're never alone in the waiting. Last week, we're never alone in the mission. And today, I want to talk about something that's universal to everyone. If you're breathing today, you have a heartbeat, and you have blood coursing through your veins, then you need to know this today, that you're never alone in temptation. Temptation. We all deal with temptation. And temptation comes in all different shapes, sizes, and forms. I mean, just think about the row you're in right now and the people you're sitting next to. And most likely, the person sitting next to you is tempted by something completely different than you're tempted by. Oh, there are some universal temptations, but there are certain things that the enemy likes to do. He creates his special concoction just for you, and he uses it against you over and over and over again. Where some people maybe have a, a temptation, you know, to the addiction of alcohol and the overuse of that. Others, others have a, a temptation to the addiction of food and the overuse of that. While still others have a temptation, you know, that is sexual in some nature or form, while others have the temptation that deals with the emotion of anger. And others still yet, that, that, that sense of unforgiveness and, you know, always holding things over others. Temptation comes in all different shapes, sizes, and forms. And if you're a human, then you have to deal with it. When temptation wins, though, here's the unfortunate thing. When temptation wins, here's the effect. It creates what's called separation. Separation between who? Between you and God. That's the danger of temptation. When temptation wins out and sin is the product of the temptation, then we get separated from God. What, what happens? Well, we feel guilt. We feel shame. And instead of running back to God in repentance, we tend to stay away from him for a season of time, which is exactly what the enemy wants to do in our life. But when we overcome temptation, guess what happens? It strengthens you. It strengthens you. Just make a muscle right now. 
like, I know guys always try to do this, but I mean, just make a muscle, okay? Just like, like that. You feel the muscle? This is my biggest muscle, by the way, all right? Not this yoga. But you feel that? Like, it strengthens you. When you overcome temptation, it strengthens you. And what does that do then? It bonds your heart to God's heart. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what does God do? God allows temptation, but God is never the tempter. So please know that very clearly, and I'm going to help you see that today. Why does God allow temptation? Because God knows that temptation has a way of making you stronger. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I want you to look at this with me. It'll be on the screens. It says that the temptation in your life, in your life, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. (laughs) That's really good to know, by the way. Okay? And God is faithful. Come on, somebody say God is faithful. Why? Why is God faithful? Why does it say that? Because it says this. Um, First off, he will not allow. He doesn't allow, meaning that he's there in the midst of it. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. That when you are tempted, he will show you a way out. That's another reason why he's faithful. He'll show you a way out so that you can what? You can endure. You know the very first thing you see with this passage of Scripture, which is the most encouraging thing, is this. That you're not alone in the temptation. That God is right there in the midst of it. He's faithful. He won't allow it. That means that God is, he knows what you're being tempted by. That also means that God has seen all of the times that you have overcome temptation. And he's also seen, unfortunately, all the times that we have succumbed to temptation. And he, got, he has the record. He's keeping, he's got the record. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing, God says this to you and me. I'm not gonna put you in a situation that is more than you can handle. Does it feel like at times that God puts you in situations that are more than you can handle? Yes, it does. Sure it does, why? Because when we fail in temptation, we want someone to blame. But God says, I'm never gonna put you in a place of temptation that's greater than you can handle. So what is it that that tells us about God? God sees something in you He sees a strength in you that you don't see in yourself. God sees something in you that you don't see. God sees some muscle inside of you that you're not activating correctly, but yet it's there. And so why does God allow us to walk through temptation? He allows us to walk through it because it will create a strength in us. It will cause us to endure. Endure. What what does that really kind of look like? It's kind of like an ancient relic that has endured the test of time. An ancient relic that's endured the test of time ends up in a museum that other people are like wowed about. How did that thing overcome that weather? How did that thing overcome that war? How did that thing overcome time? How did that thing overcome being buried in the ground? How did that thing overcome? And when you have overcome a lot in your life and you're still standing, guess what? You're stronger. You're just simply stronger. So there's a strength that's inside of every believer that God sees that maybe you don't see. And what do I want to do today? I want to help you see that strength. And I want to help activate that strength inside of you. So to do that, i got to take you to Romans chapter 6. It says this. Do not let sin control the way that you live. Do not give in to its sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve Sin, no part of your body, your mind, your will, your emotions, physically. Give yourselves completely to God. 
Would you just read that little part with me right there for a moment, just so that your, your own ears hear your own voice saying it? Give yourself completely to God. This is the action step. Give yourself completely to God, because you were dead, but now you have new life. The, the action step here that we're going to be leaning into is, what does it look like to give ourselves completely to God? The word give would, would indicate this behavior of willful surrender. I, I give myself. I willfully surrender. So God's saying this to us right off the bat. Don't give yourself to temptation. Instead, give yourself completely to me. And then when you look at the word completely and you break that down into the original language of the Bible, okay, and the way that it's written right here in Romans, in Greek, when you get to the actual Greek meaning of the word completely, guess what it means? Complete. That's what it, completely. It just means that. I know you were expecting something different, but that's what it means. Completely. So give yourself completely. Did you know this, that the life of the Jesus follower is a person that has to continuously give yourself completely to God? I mean, if you're in this room right now and you have given yourself completely to God through salvation, then did you give all that you knew to give? And the answer to that is not, it's not your question. The answer is yes. But if you have given yourself completely to God through salvation and you've been following God for a year, then you've probably learned that there's more that God wants you to give to him. And then if you've been serving God for 10 years, then you've learned that there's still more that God wants me to give to him. And if you've been serving God for 20, 30, 40 years, then you've learned that your entire life is a life of surrender, that God keeps saying there's more for you to give to me. So the life of the believer is a life that is continually being lived, completely surrendering yourself to Jesus Christ. And that's never, it's never going to end. So what is our action step? Our action step today is how do I give myself completely to God so that the outcome is that I overcome sin and I overcome temptation that leads to sin. And that's what we want to talk about today. One of the best examples I can give you is found in Genesis chapter 39. It's a guy by the name of Joseph. The quick backstory on this is that Joseph was the youngest brother of many brothers, and they were very jealous of him because his father loved him. <laughs> they didn't like that, right? They, they thought that he was just a, uh, you know, a snotty-nosed kid that was spoiled a lot. And so what did they do? They did what a bunch of other brothers, and evidently at this time, would do. And that was this. They sold their brother into slavery. But they claimed that he died, that he was killed by some wild animal. But they, they sold their brother into slavery, washed their hands of him, and went on. So look, if you've got brothers and sisters that have been tough on you, they have never gone that far. So forgive them for whatever it is you're holding against them, because they did not sell you into slavery. And then we pick up in Genesis chapter 39 and verse 1 where this is what happens after that. It says that when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased now as a slave by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything that he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph. 
giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so, as so, so, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything that he owned. From the day that Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Pharaoh's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and livestock flourished. So Joseph, so Pharaoh, excuse me, gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, Potiphar didn't worry about anything except what kind of food to eat. How would you like to be Potiphar? You've got this young guy who's a rock star, right, that is your slave, and he's doing such a great job, and he's so loyal, and he's so faithful to you that you just keep elevating him until he's your personal assistant, and all you have to do is worry about what you're going to eat for lunch today? I'm going to be a fat mess if that's all I have to do. Lazy. You know what I mean? Like, can you imagine Potiphar? Like, here he is. He's, he's not getting more in shape. He's getting less in shape. I guarantee you, if all you got to worry about is what you eat, if all you're dreaming about is what you eat, and maybe that's my problem, honey. I don't know. <laughs> maybe that's my problem. But Joseph is being blessed. Great things are happening. But that's not how the story goes. Story changes right there on that spot. And as we continue in verse 6, great temptation comes his way. Says now that Joseph was a very handsome and well built young man, like I used to be. <laughs> and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He's held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and she grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. And Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand, as he ran from the house. So what does it really look like? What does it look like to give yourself completely to God and overcome temptation that leads to sin? Here's the first thing out of this passage that you have to do. You have to respect both man and God's authority. I think when we look at Joseph's life, Joseph had a firm grip on honoring those in authority that were over him. He recognized very quickly in his young life that submission to authority has both worship, it's both worship to God, and it has a ton of earthly benefits. And it was like you lived it out. Like you see Joseph living this out. His, his submission to man's authority is what continued to cause him to rise in the ranks of Potiphar, in Potiphar's eyes, and take over more and more and more leadership. Right? But he also saw it as it was worship unto God. And uh, it was this. It was his respect and reverence for authority that actually became his greatest strength on, on earth, right, physically. It became one of his great strengths that helped him overcome the temptation. I want you to remember back in verse 7 and verse 9, it said this, that Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come sleep with me, she demanded, but Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything. 
I have earthly authority here. I'm underneath it. I have a master. You know, he's looking at me to lead well. This earthly authority that he was underneath with, with his master is one of the things he drew attention to. He expects me to lead everything well in his household. No one here has more authority than me. I recognize that I've been given authority, and now I'm, I'm over all these other people. My actions affect them. My actions are going to you know, disappoint my master, or they're going to make my master look at me even greater. No one else here has more authority you know, than me in this entire household. And then he says, no one has more authority than I do. Uh, he's held back nothing from me except for you because you are his wife. It's all earthly authority. Then he changes gears right at the end. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Godly authority. He recognizes he's under godly authority. So it was the respect for authority. It was the respect for authority that creates these guardrails in Joseph's heart that cause him to stay on the path. It's kind of like guardrails on a mountain road, right? They're there. We love that they're there, especially when there's sharp drop-offs, right? Because they protect you as you go on the journey that day on that mountain road. Now, look, you might run into the guardrails from time to time. But they're there, they might, scrape, they might scrape you up, they might scar you, but they're there to keep you alive. And spiritual guardrails, you're going to run into those from time to time. You're, you're not going to make it through this life being perfect. You're going to succumb and fall to temptation. But those guardrails are there to bounce you back off of them, keep you on the road that leads to life. Come on, somebody, that's good news, right? So you might do that. Joseph's respect for authority caused him to first think about the disappointment that would come from his master, right, than anything else. That was his first thought. I can't, I can't sin like this. My master, the authority that I have to him, what's he going to think of me? What happens when we're tempted, though? When we're tempted, it tends to go just the opposite. We don't think about what was my spouse going to think, what are my kids going to think, what was my boss going to think. That's not what we think about. We tend to think about temptation. We instantly go to the self-gratification and the pleasure. But Joseph did just the opposite. He went to first, how does this authority over me, and what are they going to think? See how earthly authority became a guardrail for him and the honoring of that earthly authority? But then also Joseph had a respect for that, that God's authority in his life which caused him to immediately see temptation as a great sin. And when we start to see temptation in our life as a great sin, it's like temptation's there. Oh, man, that, if I succumb to that, that's going to be a great sin. He, he instantly gave temptation its proper name. And when he did that, when he identified that as like, man, if I act this way, it's gonna, it, it, I'm going like, to violate God and his word. That also kept him on the straight and the narrow, like the guardrails. So respect for authority, it kind of it like for Joseph and for you, it gives you a better voice to listen to when temptation comes your way. Because otherwise you're listening to your voice. Your voice instantly goes to self-gratification and pleasure. But when you have man's authority and God's authority and that voice alive inside of your life, that when temptation comes, it gives you a better voice to listen to. So consider. Like, this would be part of what that voice would be like driving home. Consider the disappointment that you'll cause your parents. 
Consider the disappointment you'll cause your spouse. Consider the disappointment you'll cause your boss or your children. And let me just say this to you. That is going to come right at the very beginning of the temptation. And you have a choice of which voice you're going to listen to. But if you, if you go down the path of just succumbing to the temptation, that voice is going to get quieter and quieter and quieter until you really don't hear it anymore. And all you're hearing is your self-gratification voice, which is the voice from the enemy himself. But it also allows you to hear this. It allows you to, have a, to hear the healthy respect of honoring God by going, God, I know what your word says. I don't want to, vi- I don't want to violate your word. So when you submit to the authority of man and God then there's something that you get now the privilege to do when it comes to the temptation that comes your way. You get to now learn what it means to stand firm against temptation. And that's exactly what 1 Peter 5 tells us. It says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. So in light of that, what should we do? Say it with me. Stand firm against him. That's what we're called to do. And you can stand firm against temptation when you give yourself completely to God by honoring man's authority and get that authority established in your heart instead of rebelling against it all the time. We, we, we rebel against man's authority all the time. And then what we do is we lose the benefit of the power of man's authority and his voice in our life to say no to sin because we don't really care if we disappoint the authority above us. So we should bring that back to a Christ-centeredness. Yes, we're all under authority. And we should care about how those above us are going to feel about my actions and those below me, how they're going to be impacted by my actions. And care deeply about God's authority in our life. That's how we stand firm. But that's not all that Joseph did. Joseph also did this. He avoided the temptation. I know it sounds simple, but it's profound. He avoided the temptation. Joseph responded correctly to the first temptation. Like he got, he got tempted, come and sleep with me, right? And he, and he backed that one down and he, and he just like, he got away from that. But temptation did not stop there. Look with me, be reminded what verse 10 said. It said that Potiphar's wife, she kept putting pressure on Joseph, how often? Day after day. But he refused to sleep with her and he kept out of her way as much as possible. Joseph, he kept refusing her and he kept avoiding her as much as possible. So you might be strong enough to, uh, to avoid or to say no to or overcome temptation the first time. But if temptation is something you keep entertaining in your life, eventually it's going to take you down. If you keep entertaining that temptation in your mind, in your actions, and in your behavior, eventually it takes you down. You have to intentionally avoid it. So in this world, what, is, what would that look like? That might look like this. That might mean that, look, you got to take a different hallway at work to avoid temptation. That might mean you got to walk on the other side of campus to avoid temptation. That might mean you have to drive your car home a different route than you normally drive your car home because your car keeps ending up at the bar and things keep ending up different or bad in a way that you don't want it to. Take a different route. Just do something different. Avoid it. That means you might have to delete certain people off your Facebook or delete Facebook altogether. God forbid that. (laughs) What are you going to do with your life? You're going to live victorious. That's what you're going to do because you're avoiding temptation. And I want you to know today that avoiding temptation often requires a physical act. It's not all spiritual. 
In the sense of like, well, I just pray hard enough. If I just spend more time in church, if I just read my Bible more, you can do all those things and still fall flat on your face because you're not taking the physical steps that need to be taken to avoid temptation. It would be as dumb as this. You come to me and your hand's all burnt and you're like, like my hand burnt, Jeff. And I go, well, how did you get your hand burnt? I touched the hot stove. And I'd be like, well, that's dumb. Don't do that again. And then next week you come in, you're like, my arm is burnt, Jeff. And I'm like, well, why is your arm burnt? I stuck it in the fire. Well, that's stupid. Right? My face is burnt. What did you do? I stuck it in the oven. You're an idiot. Why? Like, if you don't want to get burnt, avoid the source of heat. It just makes sense. But why doesn't that equate to our own spiritual life when it comes to temptation? So Joseph, he avoided the temptation by setting up some of those boundaries, some of those guardrails we talked about a minute ago. Right? You might also call them convictions. And you can see this in verse 11. You maybe missed it right off the bat. So let me take you back. It says that one day, however, watch this. No one else was around when he went in to do his work. Well, what does that tell us then about the behavior of Joseph? One day, one day he had to go do his work and no one was around. What does that tell you about all the other days? It tells you this, that Joseph recognized, hey, look, there's this temptation that keeps coming my way from Potiphar's wife. Here's what I'm going to do. Every time I have to go do work that's near her, I'm going to do that work when other people are there. Because all those other days when other people were there and he was doing his work, those days were successful days. He kept overcoming the temptation. He just did something super smart. He was just being aware of his surroundings so that he could avoid temptation. It's the same thing that you and me have to do. we got to establish God-honoring convictions, and then we got to stick to them. So invite people to be with you when you're in your most vulnerable. Just invite people. Look, this is a vulnerable situation. I need you to be with me. I think that's what Joseph did with those who worked with him. You know how he's now in charge of everyone? I bet you Joseph went to some of his trusted people, and he goes, hey, look, have you seen how Potiphar's wife's been coming on to me? Like, I don't want to give in to that temptation. Would you guys help me, and would you make sure that every time she's around, you guys stick around? Yeah, we'll do that for you, Joseph. And that's the way that they were behaving. You can almost see that being lived out, right, in, in his own life. So invite people to be with you. Get the right people around you as well. Get the right people around you. Keep the right people around you. And avoid isolation. We do some of the dumbest things in our life when we're isolated. When you isolate yourself from church, when you isolate yourself from life group, when you isolate yourself from other Christian brothers or Christian sisters, when you isolate yourself from your spouse, when you isolate yourself, you're the most vulnerable. Have you never watched like the animal planet? When the herd is running and there's the lion and you see the one kind of, you know, like, you know, distracted and they're off and they're eating the little things and the whole herd is gone and then you see the lion and he's creeping. You're like, run! Get out of there! But now they're isolated. When you're isolated, you're the most vulnerable. One day, if we get back to what was going on with Joseph, one day, though, he had to do his work when no one was around. You, you can try to avoid temptation in your life, but you're never going to be 100% accurate in always being able to avoid it. And what happened when that day he had to work there and she was nearby and she saw him isolated? What took place? 
Potiphar's wife sees the moment, and she came on super strong. Verse 12, she came and she grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, right, but he left his cloak in her hand as he did what? Say it with me. He ran from the house. Temptation is always going to come your way, and it's going to be its strongest when you're the most vulnerable. And that goes for all of us, Jeff Baker included. When you position yourself to be the most vulnerable, watch out. Temptation is always going to come on its strongest. And what do you have to do? You have to have a pregame plan to temptation. You know, that's what good sports teams do. Good sports teams don't go onto the field or go onto the court, okay, and go, hey, um, how are we going to, like, play this game today? How are we going to win against this team? I don't know. Let's just figure it out as we go. No, they're in the room before. They're watching game tape, right? They're figuring out the pregame plan, and then they go and they start executing the pregame plan, and they adjust as they go through the game. And this is exactly what Joseph did. Joseph already had a pre-game plan to the temptation that was going to come his way one day or another. He knew that there was going to be a moment where she was going to get him isolated. And he already had a pre-game plan. You know what his pre-game plan was? It's simple. Run. Physically, he ran. Physically, he got out of there quickly. He did exactly what 1 Corinthians 6, 18 says. It says this, run from sexual sin. And that's exactly what he was doing. He was running from the sexual sin. Can I say this to you as well? I, I believe that this could also equate to all sin. Run from the temptation. Run from temptation. Running from temptation is not weakness, by the way. We try to think that it is. Like, I'm strong enough. I can stand there. I can endure it. It's like the, it's like the, um, the hurricane that unfortunately is getting ready to slam right now in, uh, into uh, Louisiana. And there's going to be some reporter that's out there, and you're going to be watching them on the news. And the winds are just going to be blowing like crazy. And they're going to be standing there, like, you know, at an angle trying to talk to you. And eventually, like, the wind's just going to take them up off their feet, and it's going to move them. You can't stand in the face of temptation for long until you succumb to it. And you're going to give yourself over to it. So run from it. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. It's the sign of a person who had a plan. So avoiding and running from temptation is the quality of someone who is learning to give their life completely to God. They're learning it. They're practicing it. Because when you want to give your life completely to God and temptation is there and you want to avoid it, then you're more readily to sense the conviction of the Holy Spirit who's saying, get out of there. And you obey it. So church, look, you're not alone. You're not alone in this battle. But you do have a big part to play. And the next time the temptation comes, I want you to see the pain that you would be causing before you entertain the momentary pleasure. I want you to identify the temptation for what it really is. It leads to sin. So call it sin. Get away from it. Flee sin. I want you to avoid putting yourself in tempting situations. right? But if you do find yourself in the middle of temptation, even if you didn't plan to be there, would you just practice this one simple thing with me? Run. Flee. Walk away from the party. Get away from the, the people. We'll shut off the computer, right? Turn off the phone. Delete the app. Do whatever you have to do to run. But if today you feel weak and tempted, 
right, and temptation is getting the best of you, then would you practice the passage of scriptures that we read today? Give yourself completely to God. You can do that right now. Repent and surrender to God. You can do that right now. Confess your weakness to God. Confess your weakness to God. And lean in to God and go, God, give me a greater sensitivity to the conviction of your Holy Spirit that's living inside of me. Convict me again, God. And church, look, immediately establish some boundaries and some guardrails that start allowing you to to live a life that avoids temptation. But I really want to end with this one last message of good news. Right? So listen. All of you. Here's the good news of the kingdom of God. Isn't it awesome that you're not identified by what you're tempted by? What if we had to be identified by what we were tempted by? What if you had to wear a sign that says, hi, my name's Jeff Baker, I'm, I'm this, because it's what you were tempted by. Not, by, not because, you know, that, you know, it rules your life, but it's just what you're tempted by. Would that be a crazy world to live in? I mean, how would you actually see each other? Would you even want to be here right now if you had to wear the sign of what you're tempted by? But I, I, want, I got good news for you. The devil likes to deceive you to think that your identity is what you're tempted by. Your identity is what you've surrendered to. Your identity is what you surrendered to. So yes, if you're here today and you have surrendered to temptation and it's turned into sin and you just kind of said, well, I guess this is who I am. I guess I'm no better than this. I guess I can't get out of this. I guess this is just the way life is. If you surrender to that, then you know what? You've given yourself that title because God already said you're stronger than that. Today, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, let me tell you the title you have child of God a sinner being redeemed by God's grace and today let that be your title your title isn't what you're being tempted by your title is what you surrendered to surrender to Jesus Christ and let your title become child of God I'm a sinner being redeemed by God's grace let that be your title today why don't you stand with me and let's pray father in this house We are just a group of sinners being redeemed by your grace. Thank you for the guardrails that you help us to establish. And Lord, would you empower us through the Holy Spirit to live our life inside of those guardrails. Bouncing off of them less and less as we continue to live our life. But thank you for them because they keep sustaining our life. Lord, thank you that today... That you don't ever put us in situations that are greater than what we can withstand. And as we go through these moments and we overcome temptation, you're actually making us stronger and stronger and stronger. And Lord, although you do see when we have succumbed to temptation and when we have overcome temptation, Lord, the label that you put on us if we've surrendered our life to Christ is child of God. And Lord, would that be our encouragement today? That as we surrender our life to you, we're not going to be perfect, although we're going, to, we're going to really hunger for it. We're going to strive for it. And we're going to see the grip, the grip of sin decay in our life more and more and more because that's, that's the power you give us. But Lord, today would, be, we, would we be reminded that we are children of God, being redeemed by God's grace. That's our title. Thank you for that power and authority that comes through Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit living within us, that we can be overcomers and we can endure in the end. Thank you for that hope. We're never alone in temptation.
in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen.